is it? Oh, hey, it's you. Thanks for tuning in once again, and if you know of someone else, a friend, someone you love, or anyone who can't seem to get to sleep, tell them you have a buddy who may be able to help out. Also, if you enjoy the sound of my voice and the content, you can help support the podcast by following at Melatone In across all social media platforms. And if you haven't already, sign up and become a part of the weekly email list for updates on content, future episodes, and more. I want to share with my listeners, like you, that for now, the podcast will be audio only. I will be working up to video recorded episodes via the podcast's YouTube channel in the nearest future. Until then, we can still hang out via all podcast hosting sites that support audio only sharing. You know, your Apple Podcasts your Spotify, etc. Sound good? It's easy to listen in, to sleep in. You doing all right? It's a good thing you showed up because I wasn't sure how I'd spend the remainder of my evening. You see, the work's done. I could easily enough throw on a movie, but I feel like doing something more meaningful. Do you know what I mean? Then it hit me. Why not sit and talk to you? You're good company. We're going to try something different this episode. I want to introduce the Word Well series. This is going to be 
I guess. Volume 1. Yeah. Wordwell Volume 1. And it's simple. Instead of collecting water, we're collecting words. Random words. I'll have a go at the well several times and see what comes up. Once I've got them, I'll take my time with each one. Essentially just riffing. I may say something interesting, something odd. I may say something serious, but it's the word well, and I'm here to get you through the night and into a restful state of mind. Before we get there, however, I owe you a good poem. Yes, indeed, I do. a moment of serenity through spoken word, which she performed well, but while I listened closely, I couldn't help but feel a part of a different setting, not the room I was in, but somewhere else, somewhere expansive, light, and open. My cousin Dana wrote and performed this poem, which goes by the name Standing Still. Standing still, with my hands stretched high, looking towards the sky, the breeze creating comfort like a hug, flowing through my fingers, like a clasp to hold, inhaling the air, the fresh air, being in complete amazement, giving thanks, praises, as tears stream down my face, saying your name out loud, finding words to say, trying not to forget, only to be on repeat, standing still with the breeze flowing past me, repeating your name, trying not to forget, I feel a presence surround me, tears flowing, my hand is held, not trying to lose my focus. I hold on tighter, 
with gratitude and with comfort. So in unison we stand, swaying with stretched out arms, saying your name, the breeze holding my hands with water-filled eyes, giving thanks, appreciation, sharing shame, and seeking forgiveness. We stand together, asking, do you hear us? Please, hear us. Thank you, Cousin Dana, for allowing me to share your work. What do you think? Standing still, with my hands stretched high, looking towards the sky, the breeze creating comfort like a hug. This line is delivered within the first few seconds of the poem and made me visualize a space in which I began to feel free and cared for by a loving breeze. Inhaling the air, the fresh air, being in complete amazement, giving thanks, praises, as tears streamed down my face. This to me conveys a deep-rooted appreciation for life, its amenities and the closeness it brings us. Gratitude expressed through tears is something we can all agree, take something special, What's more special than feeling solidified and happy in your own skin? The tone is very welcoming. Repeating your name, trying not to forget. I feel a presence surround me. Tears flowing not trying to lose my focus. It hurts to lose someone important to us. Sometimes if we get caught up just enough in how wondrous our world is, it takes us back to times when we had that someone. We can still feel them and it brings tears on occasion. But love lives all the time and forever. Sharing shame and seeking forgiveness. We stand together asking, Do you hear us? Cousin Dana, continue to live and breathe as a poet, you would be doing many people a service. What do you think of this poem I've shared tonight? 
you can leave a comment below or just comment to yourself. I made a wonderful dinner the other night. I loved it. It was the kind of meal that you would probably pay more than 15 to 20 dollars via DoorDash or the alike. I'm all for delivery and a good chill out session any day, but it's a little expensive. Plus the grocery store is close by, so there's less of an excuse. We had beef tips with a combination of these organic sweet peppers and yellow onions over black beans and brown rice. I've got a basil plant here too, so I added some of that as well. Oh, the place smelled great. And that was one of the nights I'd eaten a little too much. Too much of anything is never a good thing. Still, I was satisfied that evening. Just wanted to share that with you. Okay, let's see what we can find here. It's The Word Well, Volume 1. And we're off. first word. Almost there. Hmm. First word. Peace. Anyone who's anyone loves peace. By definition, it is the freedom from disturbance. It is tranquility. It feels nice. When you hear the word peace, what do you think of? I read somewhere that there is more than a few symbols for peace than what I've already known. You've got the olive branch, the dove, broken rifle. I knew of the olive branch but the others are new to me. There's peace in learning, like just now. Marches and protests were home to the peace sign and is one of the most recognized symbols around the world. Both of them, actually. The standard peace sign you would see on, like, T-shirts, fans, you'd see stickers and all of that. And the V-sign we make with our fingers. The peace sign was designed by a British artist who everyone knew as Gerald Holtham in February of 1958. Its intended use was to be a symbol against nuclear arms. Just a couple months later, it was first seen at a rally of the Direct Action Committee Against Nuclear Arms, where marchers carried 500 of 
these symbols on sticks from London to Aldermaston. If you're wondering, that's a village in England. The message it delivered was simple. War is not my voice. It became internationally renowned to speak in the name of peace. A circle with three lines inside. Simple in design, but carries a message so timeless. The V sign was used as a signal for victory by Allied nations during the Second World War. Later on, a group of anti-war activists would adopt this as a sign for peace. Nowadays, you see it everywhere. You've probably even used it yourself in a picture you took in middle school or this morning. I can't remember who, but I talked to someone about the Peace Corps. It came up in conversation somehow. I think what they do is so important. A dedication toward promoting world peace and friendship. Think about that. What if our world was a utopia? Where everyone says, I love you. And, how do you do? There's no crime. No envy. No reason to hurt one another. Just helping each other become stronger. Become better humans. Better for the earth we've been provided. More aware of the best kind of life that we could possibly live while we each have the chance. You know what I mean, don't you? I've thought about that more than a few times, and it's like, wow. Is it truly impossible for us to all get along? In order for change to come, we must change ourselves first. Not everyone has a willingness to change, and that's fine. That's the reality we live in, and sometimes you gotta embrace it. But I could imagine what that kind of world would be like. A world free from hate. How cool would it be to win a Nobel Peace Prize? Pretty cool, right? A Swedish inventor and businessman named Alfred Nobel died in 1896. Included in his will, it was made clear that his remaining fortune of over $30 million would be invested in a fund towards annually distributed prizes to people who, during that preceding year, have made incredible strides in helping mankind. The Norwegian Nobel Committee considers a list of these nominees. 
then shortens that list to maybe 10 to 20 people. These nominees are reviewed and eliminated until one of them is left standing the winner, i.e. the recipient of the most votes. You can win a prize in physiology and medicine, chemistry, economics, peace, physics, and literature. Food brings peace. I wonder if you could win a Nobel Peace Prize in that. Fettuccine Alfredo brings peace. In all seriousness, I'd like to think peace hinges upon the backbone of why we're all here together. We might have something else. Ah, there we are. Our second word is winter. Good old winter. The season between autumn and spring. The hoodies vanish and make way for bubble coats, fleeces, parkas. I don't enjoy winter temperatures, personally, but it is considerably a magical time of year. You've got Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, depending on where you live, a beautiful snowfall. Nothing outrageous that's going to keep you from getting out of your house, just enough to make it feel like it did when you were a kid. You remember that, don't you? I woke up one morning Christmas Day in... I don't recall the exact year, but I do remember how tiny I was. So, early 2000s. Maybe 2000. We always had a tree. I was downstairs in our living room where the tree and all the presents were. There was a big overcast outside, and I just remember looking out of the window and seeing snow-covered bushes, blankets of snow on the ground with snowflakes still coming down. No one was awake quite yet, and it was really cool and something I won't forget. I feel like we have a lot of those. Heartwarming instances in life we can draw upon that stay with us from a very young age. Where we lived at the time had a hill in the back. And what do you think I would ask permission to go out and do? Go sledding, of course. Luckily, the friends I made lived close by. I didn't have an actual sled, but I used the lid of a storage bin 
don't laugh. Times were hard. <laughs> okay. Maybe not that hard. But I didn't get hurt. I didn't wipe out. Just up and down the hill for a couple hours. Then I'd find myself back inside with near-frozen fingers and cold, wet socks. The only downside. The upside, however, was hot chocolate and a plate of mixed berry Eggos I had put in the toaster and enjoyed with some PBS Kids television. If you were born in the 90s, you're more than likely familiar with shows like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Arthur, Dragon Tales. Dragon Tales was my favorite, and I used to be so excited to come home from school just to watch it. Excited, taking those snowy walks back home. Ever been snowed in? There was a mighty blizzard back in 2010. It was actually the most snow I had ever seen at one given time. And it just kept coming. The neighborhood I lived in wasn't that big, so all the kids my age and younger were usually out playing. People commuting home after a day's work. Not this time. After the blizzard had ceased, a group of us went outside and on a foot journey to get carry-out. For some reason we believed the carry-out spot would be open, so why not go and check? The streets compacted with snow. What were we thinking? That we were invincible, of course. It comes with being a kid. Keep in mind, there was so much snow. The main road in which dense traffic would flow was one big white blanket. Our feet buried with each step. I could barely get out of my apartment building. Snow days were the best. What were yours like? Did you sleep in? I bet you did. It's so good to listen in, to sleep in. Water vapor freezes in the clouds and becomes snow before it falls. No matter what, it's gotta be 32 degrees. It won't snow if it goes any higher than that. There was a church that held a festival of lights every winter. I believe they still do to this day. 600,000 lights, all finely distributed among the church grounds. Different colors and arrangements. Families would come from all over the region to take part. Something like a winter wonderland. 
one of the best holiday songs I've ever listened to. The winter holidays are perfect for getting together with family. There's nothing like family. Whatever your faith, it's being bonded under one roof with the people you love, sharing time that truly make the season. Technically, the first day of winter is December 21st, so that would have to exclude Thanksgiving, but you get what I mean. The Grinch was always on, too, during the season. You could catch it on almost every channel, it seemed. Although, the animated special from 1966 will always have a special place in my heart. And you know what else? I could go for a snow cone. A snow cone in December. By the way, never before have I seen polar lights. They're commonly known as the Northern Lights, and I've heard they are breathtakingly beautiful. Floating curtains high in the atmosphere, displaying many different colors. Witnessing something so mystical, such as an aurora, is one of the things I have on my bucket list. I took a trip to Minnesota a couple of years back over the winter. I didn't see an aurora during the trip, but it was still a beautiful place with a lot going on, surprisingly. Minnesota is a very cold place in January, and everyone there seemed to enjoy it. There were lodges and craft porters and topless burgers with poutine. Poutine, if you've not been acquainted before, is a delicious dish of fries, cheese curds, and a gravy over top. We had a lot of fun that night. And I got to watch a live dog race. Oh, remember one thing. When driving in inclement weather, please drive slowly and carefully. Sleep, slush, black ice, regular ice. They each have what it takes to spoil the party. Mind your safety on the road, and mind the safety of your neighbor, too. So far, so good. Word number three. We're seeing what word is going to come up next from the word well itself. Almost there. Word number three is kick. Hmm. Are you a martial artist by chance? Have you ever practiced or know of anyone who practices martial arts? 
you know, like Muay Thai kickboxing, capoeira, taekwondo, wushu or Chinese kung fu, kyokushin karate. All of these different martial arts exclusively incorporate kicks. Punching is cool, and it's pretty effective. But if you've ever connected upon something with a good kick, you know how different the feeling is. Besides, kicks deliver more force than punches. Way more. You've heard of Chuck Norris, haven't you? Of course you have. There are millions of silly jokes about him out there. And even a website devoted to such. Funny enough, it's called ChuckNorrisJokes.net. Chuck is a practitioner of several martial arts that use kicks. Holding black belts in Taekwondo, Karate, and Tang Soo Do, to name only a few. You can guarantee he could take on at least eight people at once. Or maybe a hundred, because, you know, it's Chuck Norris. You know what's terrible? Soccer kicks to the shin. Ouch. I liked a girl at my primary school when I was a lot younger. I don't remember what I did or what happened leading up to this, but I do remember the white-hot pain I felt after she kicked me in the shin. Man, protect your shins, okay? Especially if you know the person you're dealing with has ever played a game of organized soccer. I went to a sandwich shop for lunch the other day and a guy said to the cashier, can I get a Riverside with extra kick? Which makes sense because sometimes spice hurts and so do soccer kicks to the shin. Soccer kicks aren't the only kind of kick that can ruin your day. Front kicks can ruin your day. Side kicks can ruin your day. Roundhouse kicks can ruin a lot more than just your day, as can spinning kicks. Flying kicks, too. You've got to have good flexibility in order to perform some of these. A front kick to the solar plexus or the chin doesn't require an awful lot, but let's say you run into a mugger with a short knife. If you had the flexibility and a little technique, you'd have access to more than a few ways to end the interaction and escape safely. 
The art of kicking fascinates me, which is why I love to practice kickboxing. Think about it. You've got your front kick, side kick, my personal favorite, which is the leg kick, striking the outside or the inside of your opponent's upper thigh, the calf kick, back kick, spinning back kick, the cut kick, oblique kick, crescent kick, inward and out, the axe kick. You can combine the two, actually, and perform a crescent axe kick, the teep, or the push kick, native to kickboxing, the butterfly kick, wheel kick, or spinning hook kick. You might have seen that one in a movie, like Drunken Master, Bloodsport, The Karate Kid, Enter the Dragon. Or maybe you're a fight fan and have seen people like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson pull one of these off. I must have watched Bruce Lee's Game of Death a thousand times when I was younger. A 1978 film, Bruce Lee plays Billy Lowe, a movie actor based out of Hong Kong, coupled with singer and girlfriend Ann Morris. The both are working together toward true success. A crime syndicate interested in assigning them both to their management firm makes an attempt on Billy's life after they refuse to join. Subsequently, he fakes his own death and changes his appearance to find the people responsible and exact setting out on a quest for revenge. He engages in several epic death matches with the syndicate's villainous martial artists that take place inside of a multi-story building. Talk about a situation. And interestingly enough, former American Basketball Hall of Famer for the LA Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, played Hakeem, or Mantis, as he was commonly known. The seven-foot-two, 225-pound hired muscle and bodyguard of Dr. Land, the main villain in the movie. What a fight. Back and forth blows, until eventually Billy Lowe is declared the winner. If you haven't seen the movie, I'd recommend it. It's timeless fun. I'm going to be honest with you, alright? I think we're doing good so far. Hopefully, 
you're beginning to nod off or are asleep. But if you're not, and you're still with me, I want to say thank you for sticking around, regardless of your current state. And let's continue, shall we? We're pumping and we're pumping. We're at number four, pets. Pets, animals, companions. Do you have any of your own? I know some people get lonely and those people are more likely to bring pets into their lives for good reason. Pets provide us company and not only that, but they are very interesting creatures. They keep us entertained give us a sense of status and keep us from feeling, well, alone. The demand for pets these days is very high and all kinds of animals are finding homes, which is amazing in itself, truly. I know you've seen the ASPCA commercials they really tug on your heartstrings when you see photographs and video of animals that have been abandoned, mistreated, neglected, left to die without food, water, or any kind of care. It sickens me, if I'm being straightforward with you. Those commercials hit you in a special place. And thank the stars for everyone who supports the ASPCA and what they're working to accomplish in our world. You've got all kinds of pets, man. I read about someone who owned a fox. You can own a chinchilla or a lizard or even a serval cat, which is an exotic cat, comparable to a cheetah, but with a shorter tail. You're going to have your challenges, as you would with anything else, but there are some you do not want as a pet, like gators, bears, Big cats, chimpanzees, venomous snakes, and insects. No. Not that I would know from experience, but I'm almost certain you wouldn't want these animals in your home. Can you remember the first pet you ever had? Her name was Night. I didn't own her myself, but my dad did. Whenever I would visit him, she would be there, young and running all over the place. I was terrified at first. For some reason, 
I found her threatening, and any time she would get close to me, I would become upset. Looking back, I was a bit of a drama king. I warmed up to her eventually, and for the next eight plus years, she was such a good girl. She died from liver failure, and that one was hard on us, but she was loved, and she knew it, so that's the most difficult part about owning a pet. If you get them young enough, they spend their whole lives with you which is generally a long time. It never feels good when we have no choice but to detach from something or someone we've spent so much time around. Forming a life around this particular being, an identity, it's hard. Which is why I always recommend to everyone and anyone interested in pet ownership that they spend every moment they can with their pet. Be as loving as possible and make their lives as comfortable as you can. We tend to live a long life, but our animal friends aren't as lucky and to them, we are their whole lives. I never saw the secret life of pets either, but could you imagine all your animals suddenly becoming able to form speech, take on human-like roles, and thwart a whole secret evil master plot all while you're not home? In reality, that's not how it works. In fact, there's proof that animals are pretty mild when left alone, except for the occasional zoomies or mishaps in the garbage. An American media collective named The Dodo uses emotionally and visually compelling stories about animals of all kinds, they've got a pretty big YouTube channel. Check them out. Let's have another go at the well. Word number five. Fly. If I could fly right now, I'd fly to a nice restaurant because I'm very hungry. More seriously, though, I'm sure you've been asked what superpower you would want to have if you could choose. Most people choose flight. That's convenient. But would you really want to fly? I don't mean float or hover, but actually finding yourself above the clouds, traveling with birds and planes, 
over an expansive view of your homeland or wherever you happen to be, thousands and thousands of feet into the air. Adrenaline junkies would probably give away their right buttock for an opportunity to secure the power of flight, possibly stemming from a long-time dream of becoming Superman or Wonder Woman or Iron Man who flies at a speed of no lower than Mach 7, which is about 5,200 miles per hour. Physicist Jean-Francois Pilatri de Rosier became the first human to fly alongside nobleman Marquise d'Orlandis. I probably butchered those, didn't I? <laughs> It's okay. They occupied the very first hot air balloon, bringing life to the balloon craze in November of 1783. The Montgolfiers, two French brothers, had manufactured the balloon involved in this historical event. But they weren't always into physics. Starting in the paper mill, Occurrences around the workplace, like floating pieces of paper, sparked an idea. Smoke would rise and pieces of paper would lift. This prompted several experiments from the two. Unsuccessful experiments. Like filling paper bags with steam, only to make them soggy. Even though they were successful in creating their first balloon made from paper and linen, the brothers Montgolfier didn't understand the physics involved in what they were attempting to do. Believing that a dense smoke was what would keep the bag afloat, they would burn wool, straw, old shoes, etc., but to no avail, until finally they were ready for their first public demonstration in June of 1783, which was successful. They planned another demonstration in September, however, they were too nervous to fly themselves. Instead, get this, they sent a duck, a sheep, and a rooster as passengers. A large crowd watched in amazement as the farm animals flew a total of two miles and returned to the ground in less than ten minutes. Not very long of a spectacle, but it was a success giving them reason to believe now was the time for the first human passengers. That's where physicist Jean-Francois came in and volunteered to be the first to fly in an untethered hot air balloon. 
Marquis agreed to join him, and they lifted a grand height of about 3,000 feet and lingered for more than 20 minutes, landing just five miles outside of the city. Hot air balloons are kind of romantic, aren't they? Maybe a nice wine and cheese, some music, floating thousands and thousands of feet high, a good sunset, laughing, getting carried away, literally. Whatever happened to Amelia Earhart, the woman who was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic, and the first ever to fly solo from Hawaii to the U.S., a pioneer to many women. She inspired a lot of young girls to follow their dreams and to know that there are no boundaries or limitations when it comes to achievement. Unfortunately, her plane went missing in July of 1937 and was never found. Many people have speculated that wreckage and debris they've come across could be Amelia Earhart's missing plane. It's been quite a stretch each time, birthing a lot of conspiracy theories over her disappearance. Some started to think her and her co-pilot at that moment were captured by the Japanese. To this day, I'm not entirely sure whether or not she's been located, but rest in peace to Miss Earhart. And thank you for showing women everywhere that they're not limited in what they can do. It feels so good to listen in, to sleep in. I'm thankful for you being here. I had some fun with this. Hopefully you were able to find some enjoyment in it as well. If you're asleep, that's just great. Thanks for tuning in to the third episode of the Melatonin In Podcast. Please share this podcast with anyone you think could use a buddy in the dark. Someone they can rely on when the nights get a little rocky. Sleep on and sleep well, my friend. See you next time, alright? Good night.